Wow. You know, we're in July. I thought by July everything would have been back to normal. I was wrong, deeply, deeply wrong. But I tell you what, I said it last week and I mean it. God is doing something. We, we prayed or we sang, and I, I like to say because when we sing, I, I feel like when we're singing songs that are to God, when we say you, these are prayers. That's what the Psalms are. They're songs that are to God. And so when we're singing that song about you made a promise, we're going to be talking about that promise today because we, we are a people of promise. You know, as followers of Jesus, we have a promise. God is leading us somewhere. This is not the end. This is not what it's like forever. We are in the wilderness, and, uh, but there is a future. There, God is at work, and honestly, what I love is that God uses the wilderness to change us and to do amazing thing, things in us, to help us to become a people that we could have never been had we not gone through the wilderness together. Amen? So it's frustrating. It is, it is so hard, you know, um, knowing that so many of you are online watching because, frankly, you need to for your health and, and for anxiety and all that. And for those of you who, who are here, I will say I love, love, love being a part of the community here together. So I'm excited about today because we have been in a, a series called Staycation where we're, we're choosing joy in the midst of, of what? The everyday, of trying circumstances, of COVID, of job frustrations and losses and trying to meet, you know, make, make ends meet and paying the debts and all that kind of stuff. It's hard. The one good thing is it's a great time to refinance your house. Um, but outside of that, it's hard. It is. And so how do you choose joy in the everyday? And so we've been talking about this throughout the last couple of weeks where we, we started with it's, it's, it's not only good to have fun, we need to give our per, ourselves permission to have fun and, and how, how important it is to praise and how we find joy when we lift up the Lord and we focus on something bigger than us, God, how that renews us because all of a sudden things get put into perspective. But this week... We're kind of framing the entire series in one day. Today, we're talking about the promise. I, I shared this, if you saw it on, on the Facebook video uh, um, and, you know, on an email video this week. Um, I started out this week knowing we were going to talk about Sabbath, knowing we were going to try to answer the questions about, you know, uh, it's a Ten Commandment. Why don't we obey Sabbath? Why are we all doing everything on Saturdays? And I, I started out with a whole, you know, bunch of preconceived notions about where we were going. And then I started studying about Sabbath, and I realized how ignorant I was about Sabbath. And it became an intense week of study and an intense week of God just revealing his promise to us. I can't wait to just be able to share this with you today. And so, hang on. I'm going to go fast because I want us to get out of here at, at a normal time. But um, not only that, I, I just, I'm really excited about what, what God has uh, showed me this week. And I pray that you're excited as he shows you. A little bit, you know. I don't know about you, but when I grew up as a teenager, I was, uh, when I was a Christian, I had a good friend named Scott, and uh, Scott's mom was, would never let him hang out with us on Sundays. I mean, he came to church, and then he went home, and he wasn't allowed to wash his car, he wasn't allowed to play video games, nothing. Why? Because his mom said there was no work on the Sabbath, and I love it. She would say, Saturday is the Jewish Sabbath, Sunday is the Christian Sabbath. It's in the Bible. Now, I could never find that, but I was always glad that my parents never read that part of the Bible because my friend got to do nothing. 
So what does Sabbath mean? Well, what, what does it mean for us? The Jews, they've been observing Sabbath for 3,000 years. In fact, two days ago on Friday... In the afternoon in Israel, it was a madhouse. The markets were full. People were shopping and getting everything ready. They were preparing all of their meals, getting everything ready for Shabbat, which is the Hebrew word for Sabbath. The Jewish day is not morning to night like ours. The Jewish day begins at sundown to sundown the next day. So every Friday at sunset, Shabbat or Sabbath begins. Families come from all over the place and they, they come together wherever they are to gather around a table. And, and if they're religious, they pray and they might read the scriptures. And then they, they follow that with a, a good meal and laughing and games and just spending time together. When I was in Israel, I got to observe or, or, or spend time with a family at Sabbath. They did it every week. They had for their entire life. The kids were now in their 30s and their children came and they lived all over Tel Aviv and Israel and everything. But every Friday afternoon, they all came together for this. I mean, and it was just ritual forever. Unless they were out of the country, they, were, they enjoyed Sabbath together. It was a beautiful tradition. And on Saturday morning, for those who are religious, they would wake up, they go to, they go to synagogue, and they, they hear the, the Torah and the prophets read, and then they'll go home and they'll just spend the rest of the day with families and neighbors. And often, for many, on that, the evening, uh, they have a celebratory meal, welcoming the eighth day, the next day, the, the, day, the first day of the new week. I mean, it's a beautiful tradition. And you wonder, what, what does Sabbath, which is all throughout the scriptures, Jesus always gets, was getting in trouble for, for healing and doing things on the Sabbath. What, what does that have to do with us and for us? And I get to say, and it's the promise we just sang about, it's all about the eighth day. It's all about the next day. I'm going to tell you a story. It's, a, it's not a, a Bible story today. It's the Bible story today. And it's going to be familiar to most of you. you. You've heard the story of the Bible from beginning to end. But we're going to, we're going to look at the, that story a little bit different today because we're going to put on some Jewish glasses. We're going to look at this through a Jewish lens. This is, this is a lens that pretty much the Jews all looked at the story of the Bible, the story of God through. This is the one Jesus looked through. But this lens, what I, I really appreciated is it might actually reveal a little bit about why in your faith you feel that there might be something missing? That you know you follow Jesus and you know that, that God is up to something, but you wonder, why does it always feel like there's something missing? For some of you, I think this lens might help that feeling. The story begins in Genesis 1, and you know it. In the beginning, God. He created the heavens and the earth. And you think about it, God took, he, God brought light and order out of darkness and disorder. For six days, he brought light and darkness and or, I mean, light out of darkness and order out of chaos. And every day at the end, you know what it said. It says, there was morning, and I should probably get my own clicker. Sorry, guys. There was morning and evening, and then it would say, and then there was the next day, and then the second day, the third day. And then, on the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested. He Shabbat. He Sabbathed. He ceased working. See, what I love is that never, once God stopped, when day seven started, 
Never again do we saw, and there was evening, and there was morning the next day. Because the Sabbath, the seventh day, was supposed to last forever. It was a day with no end, where God's work was done. It was complete. God's presence now filled the creation. And then God appointed humanity, us, all people to join him, to take care of the creation. God, dwelling with human beings forever. God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. When all was right between God and people, and all was right between people and each other. See, in the Jewish mind, the seventh day, and therefore the number seven, represented God's fullness and completion and rest. That's just what it meant from the very beginning. But the story continues. Human beings were deceived by a dark power, and they ended up forfeiting the seventh day of rest. We call this the fall, when Adam and Eve, they decided that they no longer wanted to submit to God. They wanted to rule under their own authority. They wanted to be God. And that story, the story of people trying to be God, is perpetuated Every single time we put ourselves first. Every single time we say that I'm more important than you. My story is more important than your story. My story is more important than God's story. Every time we take all matters, we take everything in our own hands, and we say, I'm number one. We are perpetuating the same story. That's that's the definition of sin. I'm more important than you. I'm more important than God. It's all about me. And therefore, all the things that I do, all the the motivations that I have, they're sinful because we're missing the whole point. It's never been about me. It's always been about God. And so as the result of Adam and Eve's sin, the seventh day came to a close. They were exiled from the Garden of Eden, and they were cast into the wilderness, condemned to work as slaves to the land, separated from God, separated from each other, and, and so their whole life was about separation and exile and oppression. See, these were never God's design. They were always, that's the wilderness. But in the midst of their rebellion, and this is where you need to hear, in the midst of the rebellion, in the midst of the wilderness, the wilderness that we all live in still, God continued to love people, God continued to dwell with people, and God continued always to intending to restore humanity back to the seventh day of rest. And so literally from Genesis chapter 4 to the very end of the Bible in Revelation, repeated over and over and over is God's pursuit of people and invitation to people to experience a taste of the seventh day rest in anticipation of it being fully realized one day. That's the story of the Bible. God pursuing and inviting people to taste the seventh day knowing that one day it will be restored. And so the the story of of Israel continued. It continued through the family of Israel, offering them an opportunity to walk with God into seventh-day rest so that they could offer it to others and share it with others. So God rescued them from the slavery in Egypt. We've all seen the Moses movies of a million different kinds. We we saw him uh, take them out of Egypt and walk alongside them through the wilderness. And here, listen to this part because... On every single journey on this side of Eden, every single journey on this side of the fall is the hard journey through the wilderness. It's the journey through COVID. 
It's the journey through the death of loved ones. Every journey we go through, cancer, frustration, failure, angst or anxiety, all of the things that we worry about, every, everything that we live, every suffering and pain that we go through, that's the hard journey through the wilderness that is the plight of all of us. I mean, you can't escape it, right? You have great times, but then you still struggle, and you go, why does nothing ever just work out? My dad, I love it. He always called it dodge luck. He'd be working on a car, and then boom, something would break, and of course, the door that had the part was closed, and the tool that he needed, he lent out to somebody, and he'd be like, dodge luck. I grew up. I didn't know that dodge luck just was the result of the fall, that welcome, you know, some called it Murphy's Law, not us. It was just dodge luck. That is the, that is the journey all of us live on this side of Eden. It's a journey in the wilderness, yet God is walking with us. And like we still do today, like all of us still struggle with today, Israel, they forgot their God. They chose their own way. Yet God never stopped inviting them and re-inviting them just to start living as if they were already in the promised land. I'm going to show you a couple of uh, pictures about what the Sabbath meant for them because in the midst of the wilderness, God gave them this, the Ten Commandments, one of which was to observe the Sabbath. And so, you, you, if you can't read it, it's just the days of the week, the Sabbath being Saturday in blue. So God blesses the people of Israel, and it was a blessing with the Sabbath. Every seventh day, they were to stop working to, the actual word is to Shabbat, to Sabbath, to rest. It's like you've done good work all week long. You have busted it all week long. It's time to rest in the Lord. It's time to enjoy God's good creation together with God's people. Sabbath was about taking a whole day to live in the ultimate rest, that the ultimate seventh day that was going to come. But it didn't stop there, not just with Sabbath, because they loved the number seven. The number seven was wholeness and completeness. And so the weekly Sabbath was one of seven festivals that Israel practiced throughout the whole year. So you have every day of the week, and then you put them all together, and seven times a year there was a festival. And you know some of these festivals, they were... Um, uh, uh, Passover and the Day of Atonement and, and all those kinds of things. But every year, there were seven festivals that kind of took Sabbath to a new level in anticipation of what God was going to do, that there was going to be an ultimate rest. But there's more. Because in addition to the seven festivals every year, every seven years, they had something called the Sabbath year. Now, the Sabbath here, this is where if you were a farmer, you let the land rest, and you just let it grow. Don't worry about anything. And during that time, the poor could eat freely from everything that grew naturally. And, and this was a time when forgiveness was extended to people. If somebody had hurt you, you knew it was during Sabbath year that you said, I forgive you. I love you. I want our relationships to be restored. This was the year that servants were released from obligation. You know, you, I know you promised me two years labor for whatever, but I forgive you this year. That was Sabbath year. This was a year where they could experience Yahweh's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So it was called the Sabbath year, but kind of like an infomercial, but wait, there's more. Because Every seven times seven years, every 49 years, was something called the year of Jubilee. 
Now this, the year of Jubilee was, this was the big one. This was a whole year where like every debt was canceled. Your mortgage canceled. The, if, you, if, if you had to sell your land to somebody else, you got it back. It's like everything was restored to the way it was originally supposed to be in the year of Jubilee. If you were a slave, and you know, back then, slaves were very different because it was almost like an indentured servant. You said, you know, I owe you this, I will work for you for, and it's like freed, completely done. Everybody, everything was restored to its original design. Jubilee was the ultimate Sabbath expression of living out God's promised rest while you were still in the wilderness. It's like you're living in the wilderness, but you are going to live for that year like God's ultimate rest had come. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. But the Israelites, just like you and me, they forgot God. They did not live this way very much or very often. They quickly forgot this way. They pursued the wealth of the world. They chased after the power as a, you know, huge power as a nation. They took advantage of the weak, and they continued as a result to live in oppression. Eventually, in the 600 BC, they even lost the promised land as they were exiled, exiled to the nation of Babylon. But what's amazing is they lost everything. Like, when a people were exiled, they were done. Yet in the midst of them losing their identity, losing their land, losing everything, the prophets kept promising hope that one glorious day in the future, God would send somebody. They called him a Messiah to restore the seventh day. And, and the prophet Isaiah, he spoke for the future Messiah when he said these words. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is the Messiah talking. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I mean, Isaiah was saying, God is going to send somebody who will usher in the year of the Lord's favor. This is jubilee on steroids. God is going to restore the seventh day. You know, the day before the fall, when God said that was going to last forever, where human beings were at right with God and right with each other, God was going to restore complete and utter wholeness and restoration to the world. He's, he's talking about the eternal seventh day. God's kingdom on earth as in heaven where your sin and your brokenness is restored and your sickness is healed. And so after Isaiah proclaimed this, they waited. And for 500 years, there was nothing but silence. There was no rest. There was no seventh day. There were just these promises that were getting farther and farther and farther into, in the past. As empire after empire after empire controlled them and fought for them and they were completely dominated by everybody else it was pure oppression it's in the midst of that darkness that oppression of not having your own land not having your own identity your own uh your own ability to worship god the way you want to in the midst of all of that that's when jesus is born and jesus at age 30 launches his public ministry on the sabbath on the sabbath in synagogue reading those exact same words from the ancient prophet Isaiah when he said the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has 
anointed me. And what did Jesus say? I proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind. I come, I have come to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But then he rolls up the scroll that he's reading and he gave it back to the attendant. He sat down, eyes of everyone on him, because everybody loved this passage of scripture. Man, this was the one that you were waiting for. And he says in verse 21, today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And then he's like, boop, drop the mic. And everybody wanted to kill him because they knew that he had just said, I am the, I am the promised one who is going to restore the seventh day. I am the one. I am the one who brings seventh day rest. I am the ultimate jubilee. Jesus sitting right in front of them. And you know what he did? He immediately leaves the synagogue to begin his ministry and he confronts disorder and chaos and darkness in all of its forms. He frees people from sickness and sin. He even raises people from the dead. In Jesus, brokenness was made whole and everyone is invited into the seventh day. Come, just as you are. What doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter who you've become, it doesn't matter how much people hate you or love you, how powerful or how weak, rich or poor you are, come just as you are, follow me, Jesus says, I will bring that seventh day rest to you. His entire ministry pointed to the seventh day, and you know what happened? He died. He died. And it seemed that the darkness had won. So it seemed. Because you know when Jesus died. He died at the, end of, at the end of the week. On Good Friday, didn't he? What was Jesus' body doing on the Sabbath? It was resting. It was in Shabbat. Jesus was in the grave during Shabbat. But do you know what happened after, on day eight? The first day of the week. The day that it was... The, the next day, the day of new creation was the day Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He was the new creation. Amen. Yes. In Jesus, God's light had forever broken into the darkness. In Jesus, death was defeated. The power of sin had been broken and its debt had been paid. See, when Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, stood amongst his disciples talking to them, they were witnessing the seventh day in all of its glory. And then what did Jesus do? He sent his disciples back into the wilderness as his ambassadors because God's kingdom mission has always been God rescuing people in the wilderness. Jesus came and lived in the wilderness. And now as his ambassadors, so do we. We are still living in the wilderness, but we are not alone because the spirit of Jesus lives in us empowering us and emboldening us and inviting us as we taste as we taste the seventh day it's called peace that passes all understanding it's called this this sense that I might be in pain I might be about to die but it's all going to be okay in the end that that sense that Jesus gives he says go into the wilderness Taste the seventh day. Be the taste of that seventh day for the world around you. Don't invite people to church. Invite people to find life in Jesus Christ. He's saying, you are the taste, but you are not the object. Jesus is the object. Invite people to know Jesus. Invite people to taste 
Jesus, it's not about Avalon Church. It's not about any church. It is about us saying we have tasted something that, that is the most beautiful, most amazing, whole restorative thing we've ever had. Yeah, I'm still a mess, but I'm telling you, I'm not the mess that I used to be because God is doing something in me. I have tasted something, and I want you to taste too because it is good. It is beautiful. And you know what Jesus said when he was with his, his disciples walking? He said, let's see if we can get it up. There it is. Come to me, all you who are re- weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke. Take my teaching upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, my teaching is easy. My burden is light. Jesus is rest. See, Sabbath was never supposed to be a list of checkboxes. That's the exact opposite of Sabbath. The religious leaders of Jesus' day were so angry when Jesus healed on the Sabbath. They did not understand that Jesus was redefining Sabbath back to its original meaning. Wholeness, not sickness. Peace with God, not separation. Everybody was welcome, including Gentiles, as Jesus healed, healed Gentiles and he healed the servants of Gentiles. And Jesus went to Samaria, which was like even worse than Gentiles. And he said, perfect rest is available. Perfect rest is God's design. That's what Sabbath is all about. Sabbath is a reminder of the day that God's mercy would fall like rain on parched ground. And it still is that. See, we still walk in the wilderness. We're struggling. COVID stinks. It does. We're in the wilderness. We are still waiting for God's kingdom to be fully realized in our presence. But right now, in the midst of the wilderness, we walk with Jesus. We taste the seventh day. But here, let's apply this, because I feel like for many of us, we're not experiencing rest. We're not experiencing the kind of rest that Jesus was talking about, that Jesus came for. What, what does Sabbath in Jesus look like for us? Because one thing for sure, it's not a bunch, uh, creating a bunch of new rules that we're supposed to obey on, on, on our weekend. That is not what Sabbath is about. Now, Sabbath rest is an invitation to practice eternity, to practice the kingdom of God. It's a discipline of stopping and resting, and listening, and just experiencing God's presence. Sabbath rest is an invitation to practice eternity. It's making room for Him to take up residence in our lives. It's it's not natural. Sabbath is a discipline. It takes practice. It's, It's choosing to stop. And to live out the reality that the world doesn't revolve around me. That, that, that God is my provider. And that I am choosing once again to trust in Him. That my job is not the way I make my living. Because my hands, my voice, the things that I use, they are not the way I make my living. In fact, all of them are provided by God alone that I have a voice, I have legs, I have hands that work for no other reason except that God has blessed me with them. 
that Sabbath is, is recognizing that this is God's world and that I am a part of his story and that it's just not all about me. Dallas Willard, he's one of the great spiritual writers of our time, and he once said that hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. See, we're called to love God and love others as he loved us. Yet hurry is incompatible with meaningful relationships. Loving someone, caring for them, being interested in them, it's extremely time-consuming. Every parent, every lover knows that's true, that it takes enormous amounts of time to love well. Probably some of my worst um, moments, I guess you'd say, as a father or a husband or a pastor have been because I was in a hurry. Because love is slow. Love is patient. Love pays attention. Love appreciates the moment right here, right now. See, that's how you practice Sabbath. It's choosing joy in the everyday because you have made time, regular, rhythmic periods of time where you're just quiet with God, where you turn the TV and the phone off, and you just maybe sit and listen for God's voice, for his peace to just cascade over you. Practicing Sabbath is hard. I, I encourage people, maybe take five minutes, you know, and five minutes, if you've not done it, seems like it's a forever period of time. But if you're quiet for five minutes, and tomorrow you're quiet for five minutes, there comes a day when you long for that five minutes. Because like a runner who runs a marathon, nobody says, no, no couch potato says, I'm running a marathon next week and start running 26 miles. Nobody does that. We, we start by just taking a walk and maybe for a little bit, you know? And I remember last year when I started jogging, I, I, I made it a deal. I'd jog 100, 100 yards <laughs> and then walk 100 yards and I'd try to jog 100 yards. And after a while, I was jogging a half mile and then a mile and then two miles. Now, when I don't jog, I feel, ugh. When we create disciplines in our life like just being quiet before the Lord, maybe reading his word, reading, reading the New Testament, reading the gospels, or, or, or reading the Psalms and just saying, speak to me, help me be yours, help change my mind to, to be focused on you. You see, it's in those moments that God's presence is sensed in your midst. Everybody should create regular rhythmic periods of time to spend with God, but also with others. You know, I really want to implore you parents with kids who are at home still, have dinner with your children, not in front of the TV. Turn it off. I'm convicting myself, I know, lately. COVID has been tough. Turn it off. Sit and talk. Play a game together. Eat. Laugh. Just enjoy each other's company. Live fully in the moment because that is Sabbath knowing God is in your midst. That's the discipline of Sabbath. Sabbath brings shalom, God's peace and wholeness and rest. That's how you experience it. It's slowing. That's what Sabbath was always all about. Slow down and just know that God is with you and that he doesn't need you to do a hundred things. 
we run the, this life like we, it's all about us and like if we stop, everything will crash. But the reality is nothing will because it's not ours anyway. It's God's. So Jesus is inviting you to come. He gives rest to the weary and burdened. For some of us watching, whether it's online or in this room, for some that just, that means making Jesus Lord. I, I don't care if you said a prayer. I don't care if you were baptized in the past. For most of us, we, we have said the prayer. We come to church. We do the right things. But the reality is we, have, have we given our allegiance to the Lord? Have we said, you, Jesus, are our God. I'm not God anymore. I think most of us, we like say the prayers and we do everything, but we're like, but it's still my life and I'm still, getting, I'm still demanding my rights. And the reality is my rights are his. Jesus, I have given you my rights. I trust you. And so maybe for some of us, it's, it's taking Jesus' story as our story because Jesus' story is one of rest and joy and peace and our story, the wilderness story, is one of hurry and angst and anxiety. His story is so much better. His story is what we were created for. So Jesus, he invites you and me to follow him and give him our allegiance and live for his story instead of our story. Will, will you do that? Will you say, Jesus, I am not living a seventh-day story. I am living days one through six, or, or, you know, I'm just living the not Sabbath. I'm living the wilderness story. So start small and take that, that five minutes a day. Maybe... Maybe you're like, I don't even know where to start in the scriptures. You know, I always give you, a, it seems like I always give you a devotion. And I, 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 did, I, I went through this devotion twice this week before, as I wrote this message because it was, it was awesome. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, I put a link here. You can just type that in or you can go um, on our webpage and go to our resources page and it's the first thing there. But I'm telling you, if you don't know where to start, it's a great place. Take a picture of that. It's about to go away, so like, take a picture now. I see some phones. I'll wait until I hear the click. Yep, heard the click. All right, good job. Um, everybody, if you need a picture, Britain has it. Um, all right. The other thing is maybe you want to find out more about Sabbath, and I just want to encourage you. The Bible Project is a website that I utilize a ton for my own personal life as well as for messages. I, I read everything they had on Sabbath. It opened my eyes. And they have some videos that are amazing. And so maybe you just want to go type Bible Project Sabbath and it'll bring it right up. But I encourage you to, to check it out if you're interested in more. But, but here's the deal. Look at me and, and I'm finishing. I'm closing right now. The goal of Sabbath is not to learn about Sabbath. Sabbath was never about a mind thing of learning. Sabbath is something to be experienced. Sabbath is something that we live. It is practicing this it's practicing eternity, practicing the seventh day, practicing Jesus as Lord. That's what Sabbath is. And so learn, read, but please don't think that you, you, you read the devotion, you hit, you hit check. No. Then spend the time in quiet. Live as, an, live as the anticipation of God's kingdom for your family, for yourself, for others. Because God wants to bring renewal to you. And God wants to use you to bring renewal to the world around you. Let's pray together. Jesus, I can't believe I didn't know about Sabbath and about you being the fulfillment of it until this week. It makes me realize that um, I, I'm so often trying to check boxes and I'm so often trying to, to do everything right, to be acceptable by you. And, and, and the reality is I can't, and I, I know that. I, I struggle with it all the time. But Lord, what I don't experience very often 
is freedom. Freedom that I can live in the seventh day. I can live pointing to the day that you have fulfilled. I can live with you being the center of everything, and that brings freedom and wholeness and restoration. Oh God, I pray for me, I pray for everybody in this room, everybody watching. May it not just be for us. May, may our story is not about just our freedom. Our story is your freedom, and that's freedom for all. Our story is your story of freedom. Freedom for all. Jesus, I pray for those in here and who are watching who need to follow you, who need to give their allegiance to you. Help us to have the boldness to say it's all about you and I give my life to you. But I also pray for those of us, we just, we've been living our own, in our own anxiety, our own struggle, thinking it's good, but it hasn't been your story. And I, I just pray for all of us that, that you open our eyes to the life you've designed for us. We need you, Jesus. We need you. Would everybody just stand up and let's, let's sing this as a prayer to God because he does want to do something special in all of us.
I love that line that says um, about fire in our veins. You know what gets fire in our veins? When we're a part of something that's so much bigger than us, that God is doing in the world, I believe that's his desire. Pray for us as a church. Pray for us as leaders because this COVID, we're trying to figure out how do we, God, what are you doing in the midst of this? And he's doing some amazing things. And it does bring a fire in your veins. I, I, I sometimes realize that we're just slow. God's, God is not slow uh, when it comes to moving in people's lives. And uh, it's just we're often slow to find it. And um, I can't wait to see what he's doing. You know, I want to encourage you. Would you bring up the, the slide that uh, the, the eight, the, our number, our text number? That one's nice, too, because I said that one. Sorry, I should probably be a little more clear. Good. You know, um, following Jesus, being a part of the seventh day, that is never something you can do alone. Do you realize that nobody sits in front of the TV by themselves on Sabbath and enjoys Sabbath dinner? That's just not the way it works. Sabbath is done in community always. The Christian life is done in community always. We need each other. And I realize right now that's a little bit difficult. And, um, and, but we need to walk together. Maybe you're, you're going, I want to walk with. I just don't know how. I don't know who to, who to walk with. I, I feel alone. That's kind of our culture. I want to encourage you. Let us know. You know, I'm going to be here. You can talk to me afterwards. But for those of you who are online or even here, you can text me. And uh, we have three different words that you can text. If you're new and you just want to, you want to get our emails and find out what's going on, you can text the word new to that number on your screen, 407-559-8210. Maybe you want to find out more about Jesus and you want to, you'd like to talk about this stuff. If you text the word life to that number, I get that. Now, some of you might have texted that over the past couple of weeks. And if I didn't contact you back, it's because there was a bug and we got it fixed. And I'm sorry, I didn't probably get the text. But it's fixed. And I want to walk with you. I want to help you find people to walk with. So I would encourage you, please, don't hesitate. Don't try to do this alone because you cannot. It's impossible. And then finally, for those of you who are you know, part of the, the Avalon family, thank you. Your generosity. You're helping us meet needs like crazy in our community. You're helping this ministry be sustained. Thank you. And for those of you who have signed up for recurring giving, I just can't even thank you enough because that helps us budget so much. May I bless you before we go? Let's pray together. Jesus, I want to pray for this community, whether online or in person, whether they're listening to this us live or later. But God, may your spirit fill this people. May your spirit lead this people to truly become a community that is the anticipation of the seventh day, of your kingdom come, your will done on earth as it is in heaven. We cannot do that alone. We don't even want to try. Spirit, we need you to fill us. Jesus, we lift your name up. We proclaim you. We are your people, citizens of your kingdom. Thank you. Help us to be everything you've called us to be. In your name we pray. Amen.